Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A Dream Mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a Dream Mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner Dream Mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Hey, and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. You know, there's people out there that are famous, like we know their work, we know the things they've designed or created, but we don't know them specifically. I'm honored to have one of these people on today. A talented, successful dreamer, somebody who had a big dream and never gave up on it and has succeeded astoundingly at it. I want to introduce you to Ed Letterman. Ed has been a professional photographer for over 40 years. He's taken photos of Bill and Hillary Clinton, J.K. Rowling, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, and he's had special access to things like the Whitney Museum in New York, the Statue of Liberty, and many other architectural sites. The amazing thing about Ed, Ed is a lover of life. He is a preserver of of the present moment. But really, what I got from Ed and one of the big takeaways from doing this conversation is he was somebody who had a dream, and the dream wasn't a smart idea. Hey, go be a professional photographer. There's no security. There's no structure. Who makes it at that? And while he struggled for years in the beginning, he never gave up. And when he made the commitment to make this a career and a life, he flourished and he built a life around. And ultimately, photography was something that helped him create the life that he wanted. So let's get to it. This is Ed Letterman. Hey, Ed, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Alex? I'm great. You too. I'm really excited that we talked about this um, and and are having you join. Um, one of the things that, you know, you're you're a photographer and people see your images but don't necessarily know who you are or your story unless they are in that world. And as I've met you, we met, what, like three years ago, three, four years ago, and I've learned your story. Yeah. It's it's inspiring and you are totally a, the idea of a dream Mason in terms of you had a dream of what you wanted to do in your, in your life and you've created it. Is that fair to say? That's, I, I would say that's pretty accurate. It's, it's, it's not over yet, you know, no, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Um, I want to read something that about you that I that was written in uh I guess it was written by the standard um yeah the standard hotel culture site okay so their art site yeah so what I read this and I, I thought this was a cool way to give people an idea of really like a, just a peek photographer Ed Letterman is a lover of New York looking at his images is somewhat of a love letter to the city his panoramic photos are immense overwhelming and transport you straight into the environment he pursues to bottle. His other images are vignettes that invoke an emotion reminding us all why we moved to this hectic city that feeds our sensibilities. What do you? What um, do you yeah, think? I mean, 
Be careful. Probably the best thing ever going to write about me. They could put it on my gravestone if they would like. Um, the New York is no matter where I go in the world. New York is still always my favorite place to photograph, and it's where I started. And it's it's I just never get tired of it. What's the, I know, so I've seen some of the cool things that you've done since we've known each other. You've, I mean, in the, what, three or four years, you photographed Hillary Clinton, right, at one point? I did photograph Hillary Clinton. I actually photographed Bill Clinton, and he asked me, he pulled me aside and said, hey, could you take a picture of me with the, the building staff? And I said, sure, of course. And I, you know, we went to the side, we took him with the, with the doorman and the janitors of the building we were photographing him in. And I got to say, I got to shake his hand. He came up and thanked me. I said, oh, thank you, Mr. President, which was a really great moment for me. That's <laughs> how many times you get to say this, uh, a real president. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah. I didn't know that. Thanks for, I, that's so, that's really cool. And is, is that, was, is, is that the biggest moment of your photography career? Like that interaction with him? Well, it wasn't really a great photograph, but like we took we took some photographs of which a million people do. The photographs weren't and remarkable in any way. But I was smart enough to turn the video camera on when he started coming toward me, and I saw him put out his hand, so I got a little quick video of it. Yeah. Um, so no, I I wouldn't say there was the biggest moment. I think some of the biggest moments were just really when you get started and you actually have some breakthroughs, like the first time someone paid me. I was like, whoa, really? You know? <laughs> so, how, how old were you? You know, probably uh, 22, maybe, 23, 21, somewhere really early, you know, long, long time ago. So just to give people an idea and so people can look, if people are listening to this and wanting to like, hey, what is he taking pictures of? So some things that I know that you've taken pictures of are you have tons of photos of the Whitney Museum, right? Yeah, I did the Whitney for like six years while they were building it. And that was actually, I have a picture coming out in a Rizzoli book of, in the Whitney Art and Art Destinations. And so, yeah, my association with the Whitney was amazing because... Those pictures ended up everywhere. I got in Time Magazine on that. It ended up on the cover of Renzo Piano's book, who was a you know, well-known architect. Um, it, if I'm going through the pictures, one of my great moments, I would say, was climbing the Verrazano Bridge for the, the, um, the New York City Marathon and getting there at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's just a surreal feeling, just getting to the top of the Verrazano. And the picture actually matched the experience. It doesn't, you know, sometimes the experience is better than the picture. Sometimes the picture is better than the experience. But this was like the one moment where it matches. And they put the words on it. Um, it said, it will humble you. You know, that was their advertising. You know, that's the word they put over that particular picture. Mm. And that's how I felt. And it was so great that they picked those words. That was, that was a real moment for me. It was, and it wasn't that long ago. It was like four years ago. What are some other big, you know, big projects that you've done or things that really impacted you in that, in your photography career? You know, it's just photographing some of the great views and some of the great buildings in New York. I'm trying to remember which building, like 30 West 80th Street, which was really a great building to photograph because it just had views. Anything that has great views and you get to stand in these, you know, 
see a new view invented by some architect. And, you know, the 85th Street really had views of Central Park, it had views of downtown, it, had views, it just had views of every direction. More than even photographing people a lot. You know, it's real. I really love photographing things in New York. Anything in Times Square that I've captured has been really great. Even though I will say I did, I did photograph J.K. Rowling two years ago for Penn, uh, the Penn organization, and which is a uh, you know which protects writers around the world. Um, so I had like a little moment talking to J.K. Rowling, which was really really amazing, and the picture was really good. But the experience was even better. And I'll be photographing Stephen King for these guys in May 22nd or something like that, or May 26th, whenever they're, they're getting ready for their gala. So sometimes it's, as much as I love is, for me, taking the picture is that moment. And it's the best moment. Looking at the picture after, as if I really like the picture or I don't like the picture or I'm critical of the picture, the real moment is actually taking the picture. That is the moment. I love that. Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. No, I love that you That's say that. That's the emotional moment of, you know, looking at it after is not as emotional. I always try to make it as emotional, but it never is, you know, and it really is about that particular moment. What I love about that is it actually is the moment, the present moment. Everything else is like, hey, you look at the picture after, it's the past. But what you just, it's the moment you like press the, the button on the camera, basically, is your completely transfixed and transformed in this present moment of your life with this other human being or with this building or with an experience that likely, look, if I have to guess, maybe it's one of the reasons why you've been able to build a whole career is you're actually passionate about the actual moment versus what's going to happen later or what's already happened. I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I would say that's pretty accurate. It's, you know, for me, it really is about being in that particular moment. And it, and it's not like that translates to every part of your life. So it's really a great moment to have, be able to have those moments and have them often. Yeah. When was the moment where you, I mean, as far back as you remember, where you actually said or thought, I actually want to do this for the rest of my life and for a living? Well, I think when I was 13, my uncle took a double exposure of me boxing myself in my living room. He took one picture. He had me move this way. And it was a Polaroid. It was a double exposed Polaroid of me boxing myself. And I just said, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. And that was sort of the moment. And for the next, you know, I was always a hobbyist because my parents, I hate to say it, always oh, said, this is a good hobby, but you've got to go to school and get a you know, career. This is a great hobby. You've got to go to school and get a career. And that was really pounded into me for life until I went to college. What? And, and I don't know. I actually don't know how old you are. I know that you're older than me, but I don't know how old you are. When was this? So what period of like, you know? <laughs> I've been doing, put it this way. This is my close to 40th year in business. Awesome. So you were, I mean, let's just say for like, this is like, let's say, just say 45 years ago, you were a teenager ish. And cause you, I know you got into this in your tw- in your early twenties. So as a teenager, 45 years ago, I mean, the world was a very different place, right? Everyone has a camera now in their hands. This was not the case, you know, even 20 years ago. Right. Oh, absolutely. I missed the film days when there were, you know, you actually had a, you know, it's a different moment now than it is 
you know, when I had film, there was always the anticipation of getting the film back. And would there be anything on the roll? Would it be good? And, you know, you, you sort of visualize the shoot beforehand. And now you sort of visualize something different, like how, what the end product's going to look like. And so it's a different process. Digital is a totally different process than, than shooting film. Film was really exciting. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's it's. I mean, it pretty much expresses the way everything in is our in is in our world now. Is now everything is instant gratification, right? I mean, when you see a photographer taking a picture now of a person, the first thing it's like they flip the camera around and show the person. Yes, it's it is amazing, and I always see photographers on the street. They take the picture, they look. Take the picture, they look. I I hope I don't do that too much because, you know, when I see it, I said, oh, my God, that is like the worst way to photograph. (laughs) Well, so your parents pushed you to, hey, you need a career. You know, you need to go do something. It sounds like I decided I was going to be a psychologist because I really love working with kids. I'd worked at, you know, summer camps and everything. I thought, you know, you know, psychologists would be really great to be. And, you know, I had a little bit of passion for it. and I liked it in school. But it wasn't like it wasn't like how I felt about photography. So while I was filling out grad school applications, because that's you know I'm on the path that everybody told me I should be on, I decided I got to the resume part, and I said, you know, I haven't done anything in my life. Oh my god! Now I'm going to be sitting on a couch or working with kids, which is, I wanted to be a child psychologist, and I said, oh. I'm going to be doing this next 40 years and my resume is like nothing is on it. And so I called my parents and I said, you know, I'm going to take a few years off and try photography. I think my mother cried, but that's a different story. (laughs) And, um, and and it's funny for the, cause the next two years they said, are you almost getting ready to go back to school? You're getting ready. What are you doing in San Francisco? Cause I moved as far away as I could because I just needed to sort of do something on my own. You know, because I grew up in New York, so I moved to San Francisco. Two years in, you're you're pursuing this, but what's actually happening? Is it is it, is it taking? Are you? Is it a hobby? Is it a job? What's actually going on in those first two years while they're kind of trying to get you to go back to school? Like I puttered around. I got a job in a, like a photo lab, um, but did I go out and really pursue photography? I don't. Not really, with a lot of commitment. You know. Like I did it when I felt like it, and you know I started, you know I was always taking pictures, and once in a while I like had a portrait party at my house one time, and but it wasn't like I was going out and shooting every day, but I was shooting a lot. What but, made it? What changed it from being that thing that you were kind of just doing to something that you were like, I'm all in. Oh, I just really think that you know really not succeeding for four years was, and it was. I think the fear, fear, probably the fear of failure, of like really spending time saying I'm going to do this, and and it was my passion for so long, and really just coming to terms. You know, I was like 25 or 26, and I said, you know, take this seriously. This is just not working out. You're gonna, you know, I didn't really like working at a color lab, and and I actually quit that lab, and actually, or I got laid off. I can't remember, but I collected unemployment, which really gave me the opportunity to just pursue photography. I think I collected unemployment for as long as any human being ever collected. I think I made it like or something like that or 
56 weeks. So basically four years of no success had you actually decided to get serious. You told me at one point, you know, when we met and we were talking about journeys and growing a business and chasing after a dream, you told me, mm-hmm. you shared with me that at some point you cried every single day. Oh, yeah. When I used to bring my portfolio around and, you know, I thought I, had, I was a really good photographer and people would say, oh, that's really the worst thing they could ever say about your photographs, that it's nice. And uh, they would look at my portfolio nice. And that was a no go. And and for about a year of like bring my portfolio around, I got no still got no work or very little. I think, you know, someone paid me here. Someone paid me there. And, uh, but it was not a living and I, you know, and I really thought about going back to school to get my degree. And I was working for this photographer, Bill Ray, who said, you know, you're you're pretty good at this. You helped me out a lot. You really set up the portraits for, you know, and he's a pretty well-known photographer. And he said, you just sort of, your plan B is that you're going back to school all the time. You just sort of lack commitment about this stuff. And it rang so true. And you know, from then on, I just, you know, really, I heard what he said. I took it on and just really sort of became super committed, almost obsessed because he was so right. Yeah. Like doing it half-assed was not working. Yeah. Oh, I love, I mean, that's, super, I, I love hearing that because I think for me, and you've seen me on my journey, one of the biggest stops I've had is when somebody says to me, well, what if it doesn't work out? What's the plan B? Like, would you go back to the hospitality industry? What would you do? And that thought is the thing that always rings too. There doesn't get to be a plan B. Like you're all in. You don't get married and go, what's the plan B? You don't, you don't (laughs) have a kid and go, what's the plan B? But we often do that with our audacious dreams or the things that maybe we're afraid of, but it's. I think I was afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm afraid of success, probably. But back then, I was really afraid of failure. And what I used to do to myself and to other people, when I really got committed, I actually started lying a little bit to everybody where I was at in the process. Oh, I'm really doing well. Or, um, you know, this is going to happen. Or I was always like one step ahead of where I actually was. I thought that would be a great thing to try. It actually worked out pretty well. Would you actually like advise... If, if- if you met a young, you know, a young person who was just starting out, they're in their early 20s, they're chasing some crazy dream that they have that, that isn't like, hey, I want to jump to the moon, but like, it's, it's, it's a dream and it's something that they're going for. Would you actually tell them to do that? Probably. Pro- I don't know. I don't know. Just sort of, I would probably say not, but, you know, it's, it sort of worked for me because I worked so hard to get to the next level each time because I told people that's where I was at. Yeah. Well, look, I ask it because I actually hear it as something that's super valuable because what we, what most people I think do are the opposite. So somebody reaches out to me and goes, wow, it looks like the podcast is going really great. And I would say something to actually be quote unquote realistic or someone says, Hey, that business you're doing, it looks like you're doing really great. And we like almost, Totally get your point. You know, not be realistic if you're doing this. Yeah, we like reel the kite in instead of letting it out more. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, 
I, you know, I never thought, again, I never thought about it that way. But yes, it, do not be realistic if you're going to be going for something like this. I love that. I mean, just for, for me personally, I'm like, oh my God, I need to let, when, some, when I get something like that, I need to let the string out of the kite, not pull it back in. And that, that to me is just valuable. And I'm, you know, I didn't think about it until you said it and you hadn't thought about it until I said it. So it's, it's very cool that we just created that together. Yeah, yeah. What no, happened? that is very What was next? Like, where did this go next? So like you, you, you kind of got in that place where you weren't committed, you were crying and having the impact of people not like hire you or like your work. There, there's a moment that all this shifted and you moved powerfully into a career. Yes, when I caring about what people thought, it really is, is that was that that was the moment where I stopped saying, you know what? It wasn't like I cried every time. It was like, you know, it was more metaphorically crying, even though there was some crying going on. But <laughs> it was like, holy, stop caring about whatever. Just go for your vision of how this is supposed to go. You know, ask, you know, look for criticism where you can, you know, valid criticism where you can, and just keep working your ass off and just do it the way you want to do it and see what, you know, see how it goes. And I really sort of, I mean, you know, it was great. I had some good support from my family, for, you know, from my brother and my sister-in-law have always been wonderfully, and my sister has always been really supportive of me. And um, so, the, you know, it was it was great to have that a little later in my, you know, in my late 20s, you know, somebody who's, um, you know, who would say, yeah, go for it. Or they weren't judging it that much. Yeah. What, what actually gave you the ability to do that? Cause you can, we can say that in hindsight, right? Hey, stop thinking, stop caring about what people I, think. And- I think I, I think it really started, you know, I was a little bit of a loner sort of like in junior high school and high and more in high school. And I just learned how to entertain myself a little bit and being with myself was fine. And the camera is always a great place of solace for me. And it was like, all of a sudden I started carrying that camera like we were like we were together. And you know, it's almost like a marriage and I said if I'm committed to this, let's just do this and not worry about what everybody thinks about it. And I'm sure even my relatives probably said, "Oh, what the hell is he doing, you know?" Um, this is I'm sure it didn't look like it was going to work out early on. And even, you know, into my sort of like mid-20s, I'm sure there were, you know, very close relatives that said, boy, you know, this is not an easy go. But that could be me making it up. So I've never asked them about that. What's, um, what sacrifices did you make, right? You're in your 20s. You're not obviously making a lot of money because you're pursuing this thing and it's not successful. What did you give up? I probably gave up some stuff about relationships a bit. I think relationships, you know, suffered a bit. Not my first relationship, which was in San Francisco. Like, I moved in with somebody, my my girlfriend Barbara, when I was like 20 or 21, so, or maybe even 22, something like it's so long I can't remember anymore. It's terrible. Um, but we lived together for 26. And I realized that I was doing photography, but I was probably more committed to the relationship than I was, or I was half in the relationship. And I realized after we split up for no fault of hers, um, it, I realized that this, I needed to do this by myself for a while. And I really needed to just 
really focus on photography. If I was going to do this, it would really have to be who I was married to at the time. How did you survive? Where did money come from when you were streamed? Well, I was always re- resourceful. Yeah, I've been working since I've been 12, pretty much. Um, you know, I just had, you know, I worked as an assistant. I had a, a friend of mine had a pretty great apartment, and I, uh, he needed a roommate until he got married. Then it was like, oh, my God. Um, so my rent was really cheap. I didn't go out a lot. Uh, it was never like a, a bar fly where I was going to blow money at the bar. I find different things to blow money on, but, um, you know, I sort of did, I just didn't go out a lot. I, I remember, I remember there was a point where I was eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly. Oh, I don't actually like jelly. I was eating straight <laughs> peanut. Yeah. So it was just, but I was eating out of a jar. I think the first year, because my parents gave me, like, when I decided to start this photography thing, it was, I think they gave me $3,000, and that was it. I think the re- everything else, you know, from there on in was, uh, you know, pretty much on my own. Yeah, and $3,000 doesn't go a long way. You I mean, you did this for years, right? So- it longer. It bought me a lot of equipment back then. Um, sure. But... Yeah, no. So I got a job. I did what I did. I worked for other photographers. I worked as an assistant, um, you know, um, and I couldn't get really good assistant jobs because I hadn't worked for great photographers. So I actually went and worked. This one guy, Bill Ray, who I'd mentioned before, gave me a job. And once I got Bill Ray on my resume, I was able to work for a lot of other people. Like I got a job assisting Annie Leverwitz for a little while, um, Eric Miola, you know, different photographers who were real. Once I got Bill on my resume, Bill was really helpful. The one thing I would tell to say to other photographers, when you start now, if you're working, work is like how you work for someone else or how you work for yourself is how you're going to be in life or how you're going to be working. So I work my ass off for other photographers because, and I see it all the time, people who are lousy assistants, I'm not saying they were lousy photographers when they came up, but their work habits were not that great. What, what was the thing that you learned, the biggest takeaway that you got from working with these people? Aside from the commitment thing, what was the biggest thing you learned either about yourself or about photography through, you know, these Annie Leibowitz and the Bill Ray, like these huge, these iconic people? Um, you know, it's probably that this is possible, you know, because they were, once you got to know, especially with Bill, I spent a lot of time with, once you got to know him, you realize how human he was. <laughs> and, you know, um, so I think the biggest takeaway is really just, you know, focus on what you're doing and, you know, really be committed to, you know, Bill is really committed to his stuff and he loved being a photographer. And, you know, and I think it was really, really helpful because I, growing up, you know, the time I was, I think the thing that I had missed was I had no mentors. From the time I was 12 till the time I was like 26 or so. And the no mentors, you know, I didn't know how to do this. And I just thought my work was so great. Well, no one else did. Guess what? Now I look at my old photography and say, oh, my God, no wonder. Um, so it's like, you know, once I started working for Bill, I started shooting more. And I started seeing how he shot. And I started learning, you know, some things about it. And I learned that the 10,000-hour rule is probably – a pretty accurate thing. Once I put in my time and really started working on my own stuff, you know, my photography got really, really good. 
And it's really about practicing it and really going out and doing it because like 2008, you know, during the recession, 2007, I can't, you know, whatever year that was, I lost like 70% of my business in that re recession. And that was rough. But I actually started a project of, you know, picture of the day for 365 days. I ended up being 500 days before business really, really picked up. And I put all my clients or possible new clients or people I wanted to see my photograph. And I ended up getting a lot of work out of it when it came out of their session. People said, I didn't know you were still doing photography. Um, oh, I love your work. And I ended up really hitting the ground in 2009. And, it's, you know, it's been a great run since then. Practicing it is really, you know, really staying in it and being really committed in that period and really made me a better, almost the best photography I did was when I was doing picture of the day for a year, you know, a year and a half. And I wasn't doing it to, for pay. I was really doing it for just the love of it. That's so long. You, you put in time. I mean, you said you've been doing this for 45 or 40 years. And in 12, 2009, yeah. you said is when you really hit the ground and like took off. Well, I think I was doing well before, but 2009 was a new challenging time, you know? Okay. But I really stuck with it. I found the love of photography. And, and from there, you know, yeah, a lot of good. The Whitney happened after that and the marathon. Oh, I'd always done the marathon and, you know, created a new idea for them every year. But, yeah, I think just staying, you know, starting to do it for the love. of You know, sometimes you forget to do it for the love of it. What, what are you the happiest that you don't have to do again? Oh, but, um, well, I would say for the last, a lot of years, like the last 10 years, like I haven't had to make any cold calls. Business has been so good that I haven't made any cold calls. So I would say, you know, having to put my portfolio up there and say, oh, you know, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What's, Having that to say, what do you think? Okay. And then what's next? So with, with photography, what is there else to, what is there to do that you still want to do? Well, there's a lot I want to do. Actually, what happened was I, I took a coaching class and I, you know, I had always, you know, I always, I always promised my parents I would go back to school even though they never held me to that. And they passed away, and I decided I was going to go back to school and get my degree. But instead of getting it in psychology, which was going to be like four years, I decided to take a life coaching class. You know, go through life coach training, which is where we met. And, mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, you know, I decided I was going to get that degree. I'm not sure if I was ever going to practice it, but... The funny thing is I'm back to making cold calls. So it's, and it's, what do you think? You know? <laughs> well, you know, honest, it's funny because we, it is how we met. And one of the things I remember uh, almost giving myself some comfort and security was when I was in that place and I took that class and not knowing what I was leaving in the hospitality world, which I was doing really well, was there was this man you who has had all this success in another field and was sitting in that room with me 
And it actually gave me a lot of confidence that I was in the right place. Because if someone else who was this successful had chosen this thing, then I must be making a good choice. And I remember when you shared this thought of like, I just want to be around more people. You know, I've spent the whole life essentially with a camera and being alone. And I want to connect with people. I, I felt right. And it's so funny because my value add is my clients don't have to spend a lot of time to explaining things to me. So they don't have to talk to me that much to get what they, you know, are looking for, what they need. And um, so they save a lot of time. But I realized I probably spend in my photography, they pretend it's a 40-hour week, but it's much more than that. Um, you know, I'll spend maybe an hour talking to clients and, all the, and, and then I'm out on the street or I'm out on a, an assignment and I don't have conversations. And I actually started feeling disconnected and bored actually with not talking to people. I said, Oh, you've created this amazing thing. And now you're like, and now you're just sort of stuck in it. And I, that's when I decided to really take the coaching class. Cause I just wanted to tell another story. I said, is this all there? Is this all I'm going to tell? Cause it's like, you go to a party, what do you do? A photographer? Oh, wow. You know, or you're a photographer. Oh, and you could say it a million times. And after saying it a million times, I got completely bored with telling that story. I never got tired with photography, but I got tired with the story. And I just said, I want to do one more chapter here, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, what is the next chapter with photography? Like, what do you actually, because you're not done. It's not like you put the camera down and you retired. You actually just told me that you just invested in a, in a beautiful new camera for a new project. What's actually next right. in that world? Well, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I started a little company with my nephew doing time lapse. I think they're gorgeous what we're doing. Um, I'm going to do, uh, I'm working on a book on Central Park, which I promise I'm going to finish this year in the next two weeks. Um, and I think that that book really excites me. It's really New York and no one's handled it as an art book. They always handle it as sort of just like, except Ruth Orchid did an amazing book on Central Park. But I think this, you know, I'm trying to do like the quintessential book on Central Park. It's not like, the most amazing thing, but I'm going to try to make it amazing. And um, I guess, you know, some more self-generated projects. I want to go out to Montana and I went last year to photograph the, not the wildfires, but sort of the restoration and, you know, it's like two years after what happens when the fires hit and what it looks like after I co- sort of call it like vanquished warriors, mm. like the trees after they're burned out. And it's just amazingly beautiful in their own way yet, but they're not alive anymore, but they're still standing. So, um, so some more, you know, a few more self-generated projects. I had, I had a, a really cool project that I may or I'm not even going to talk about that may or not, may not happen. That's sort of equivalent to the, you know, as big as the Whitney project would be, but we'll see what happens with that. So I got, I have some rapid fire photo questions for you. You get one photo, you get one photo, not what we're like, you get one opportunity to take a picture of any building in the world. What's the building? Oh, man. If I had a favorite building, and I'm not sure I really do, I'm going to go with this uh, sort of a sentimental choice, which was the old Twin Towers, you know, the former Twin Towers, um, which I could always see out my front door every day for the last for 20 years. Um, but what I loved about those towers is that it sort of reflected the day 
on a beautiful sunny day or an incredible sunset, they just look so spectacular. And on a cloudy, dreary day, you wondered what the architect was thinking about, and they just sort of had this certain dreariness. So what I loved about it is that they just sort of reflected the mood of the day so well. What about nature? Yeah, you know, just nature. Definitely anything in uh, the desert. I love Death Valley. I like uh, Joshua Tree, I think, is amazing. You know, I was there when you know, I did some really fun photography there when I was 21, 22. Like, those would be like, I'd go out there and be inspired. And, you know, and I'd go out with my, a friend of mine, Gary, who was always wanted to be, you know, he was sort of my role model that I could actually do this because I had no role models. And he was, he was just going to be an artist no matter what. He was just an artist. And I said, if I just follow Gary around. And we ended up moving to California together. That I could probably just learn enough from him to do it, you know. So but, who would the who would the person be? One person you've never taken a photo of. One person. Um, I would probably say uh, right now, probably like the Parkland kids. You know, one of those part. You know, like a group shot of the. And you know, they, they ended up beautiful on you know in Time and Newsweek. I mean, they're sort of inspiring right now to mm-hmm. me. What about Love one seeing of them? them. What about an event? What's that? One event. Uh, Grateful Dead. Nice. I'm and Grateful Dead Con. That way I'll actually enjoy the music, have fun, you know. And then what about... I'm an, what, I'm an old, old deadhead. What's one project that you would love to do but actually scares you? What scares me? I think I'm too old to be scared these days. Um, <laughs> That's great. But I do. I, I just think it's like, oh. Um, like, I love working for the pen, pen organization. You know, probably something that would scare me would probably be, be photographing something involving human rights. Mm. You know, going out to a country in uh, which I know some photographers do, and you know, and uh, my wife's son is actually a really great photographer, and he's actually going out and doing that kind of stuff. And that stuff scares me. He actually took like conflict photography class out in and out in Europe somewhere, where they teach you how to do it. I think that would really scare me. So I guess you know, being in a threatening situation, or but it would be amazing to do. So I would say conflict photography of some kind. Yeah. And Adam, you know, Lawrence Sun is, you know, he really is dedicated to this. So it's pretty cool to see him, you know, do this. One of the things that, like I said, inspired me about you is you, you said you were going to do this thing. You went through the struggle, the journey, you overcame the obstacles, you had more obstacles, but you, you, you committed and you stayed in this thing until you got where you wanted to go. And I think, yeah. I was not going to, yeah, at some point it became like a thing, you know, like I'm not going to be, this is going to happen. Like somewhere in year six, it was like, okay, now it's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to die doing this. You know, I may not make a penny, but I am going to die. This is, this is going to happen or it's not going to happen. This is it. Is, so is that the thing that would be, you know, if you, if you were giving a speech to an auditorium of dreamers, What's the thing you would want to leave them to walk out 
if they if they were walking out and they got one message to walk out with to go pursue that their dream, what would it be? Um, do what you love, but really practice it. Don't just don't uh, don't talk about it a lot. Just like really practice it. Just go out and practice, practice, practice. You know, and just get really good at what you're doing and have fun doing it. And create and but also make it a life. Like what I really like, as much as I love photography, I sort of like the life it created, mostly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I have a pretty free kind of life, you know, which has, you know, good points and bad points. But, um, you know, go really go out and create what you want, but don't forget you're creating a life. Because I will say one thing. I could, you know, I've been married twice, right? And I could... Honestly, say the years I've been married are have been my best years in photography. Somehow, the thing that stopped me when I wasn't good in relationships, or you know, I had to choose between photography and relationship. That the stability of being in love or being in a relationship has really helped my photography. You know, I could chart like financial years through the years I've been married and the years I've not been married, probably. Oh wow. I don't know what that says. <laughs> yeah. So, so your advice is, is go get married. <laughs> I, mean, I would say go get married, but stop living both all parts of your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, don't make a choice between you can only do one thing and, and throw away your resume. That would be, the, you know, I've never had a resume. So that's been really, <laughs> that's like my streak, you know, don't have a resume. Well, Ed, you know, I'm, I want to acknowledge you and really just thank you because not only for doing this and sharing your journey and your story, but just who you are, you know, who you, who you are for me, who you are. My, my impression is who you are for all the people that you impact, especially people younger than you that, that you really hold space for to live into their dreams. You know, you, you really embody a man who just naturally sees the beauty and the gold in life and in other people. You see people's greatness, you reflect it, and you bring it with this lightness and this power and this ease that people can actually hear and be with it. You did, you've done that and been that for me. Like I said, I, my guess is you are doing that out there in the world for other people. And I think you do it with the photography. Right. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for sharing. And the ease is sort of fake until you make it kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but the... Um, but I want to acknowledge you also because something you said to me really stuck when we, when we were going through training together and it really changed how I forgot what, you know, when I was, when I started the, my little coaching business, you know, where I'm, you know, coaching a bunch of millennials who are on the creative field. Um, like I wanted to skip a few steps. I thought my photography would be, the thing that, you know, oh, I'm this photographer. I've been doing it a long time. Well, guess what? They didn't care that much. They wanted to, you know, and something you said to me, which was, you know, sometimes you use your photography as a lean for your coaching. And, you know, you should have your coaching as standalone. And it didn't hit me. And I was sitting in a, a networking group one day. And I said, Alex is really right about this, you know. He said, I'm trying to skip some steps. I'm trying to make it so I don't have to do the cold calls. And once I got, once I listened to your voice in there, it really, really helped me say, you know, you just got to do this. You like one step at a time. There are no, there are no skipping steps. If that makes sense. So I want to thank you because it really helped 
a different part of my life that's not, you know, that's not as much photography. Yeah. Thanks. You were someone I really looked up to because you, you just sort of, you know, permeate, you know, who you want to be. And, uh, and you just put stuff out there. You know, I always just say, oh, man, Alice would just throw shit against the wall all the time and just see what happens, you know? <laughs> uh, and your vulnerability is always out there. I wish I could do that. I don't, I, I don't always have that ability to just, you know, that's out of my comfort zone. And you just, just your vulnerability has always been, uh, you know, really source of real, you know, great inspiration for me, even yeah. at this ancient well, thanks. I appreciate it. And you're willing to fail and succeed, you know? Yeah, every, everyone out here that, that is, everyone that is listening to this, it's so, it's one of these things, you know, I think that when we look at ourselves, we don't see the thing that other people see. You know, I don't, when I'm listening to you share this, I'm like, man, I don't see all this stuff in myself. And I, and I believe it. I, I can hear it. It lands. And I think that as, a hum- as humans, a lot of us especially actually feel this way is if we actually could see ourselves the way others saw us, imagine how great I we know, are. right? It's the one thing we can't do in life, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's do great. well. Yeah. So thanks for saying it again, because I've heard you say a lot of this before, but every time I hear it, you know, it lands more. Um, and I think that's a huge lesson to hear is, is people listening, like, take this out. Tell people how great they are. Tell people how what you see in them because they likely can't see it. We think that the people that we love know that we love us, but, like, you can say it again. You can tell people what you see in them. You can acknowledge them, tell them they're great, tell them what you admire and what inspire. And it, it doesn't get old. And it only, it only pushes us all forward. I don't think about that much, what people think about me, but when I do think about it, I'm usually wrong, <laughs> so it's like... Ed, if people want to find you, track you down, you know, see your photography, is are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? How do people find you? Uh, at, on Facebook, it's Ed Letterman, and um, they could email me at edlettermanphoto.com. That's E-D-L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, photo, at gmail.com. I also want to shout, give a shout-out to Lauren, who I'm married to, for always uh, pushing me to be not only a photographer, but an artist. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a Dream Mason because your dreams don't build themselves. Just can't stand by